0: Put us down. Down.
2: down, just
0: because we get around. around.
2: Things that do
0: look awful c- c- cold. Down. hope I
3: die before I get old. Down.
0: It's my generation. This is my generation. This is my generation. This is my generation. Patience. This is my. Why my, don't my, you all? F- it's my fade away. It's my generation.
3: Can we just fade the song Let's away? Fade it away. Maybe delete. Fade it all away. <laughs> As if it never
0: happened. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. Podcast that, uh, you know, we exchange a couple pieces of life-changing advice. You take it, your life j- change. You j- 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 I see, I got <laughs> <gotta, I> <laughs> <laughs> Generation. I see what you did there. You like I that? Like it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for making fun of my stutter. Not at all. Uh yeah. Listen, I just uh, think that people want to hear those two pieces of advice as quickly as possible. So we try to do it within, I don't know, an hour. <laughs> and we've
3: already taken two minutes of <laughs> time just to get to this point. There you go. This episode is actually sponsored by our good friend Tony McGee. McGee. Tony McGee's company Sync Golf. Good friend of ours. Uh, Basically, Sink Golf is a brand dedicated to helping golfers of all skill levels really look and feel and play their absolute best every time they hit the course. Their line of putter grips and other products will have your friends wondering when you became the coolest kid in town. Check them out Mm -hmm. on social media at Sink Golf or visit their store today at SinkGolf.com. We love that dude. Absolutely Thoughts That Rock Helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer Amazing Their fight
0: for finding And funding treatment options For kids who've run out of options Listen we think they're amazing We know you will too Check them out at CannonballKidsCancer.org And if you like the show I do Just take a moment I have Give us a five star rating mm. Maybe a little written review, one, two, three, ten 10 words, whatever you can come up with. And uh, it would really mean a lot to us. It keeps us in front of the eyeballs that need to see us so
3: that the ears can hear us and we can raise more money for those kids. Exactly. Unless we know how busy you are. Yep. And even just stepping back and, and taking a brief pause in life to grab a little bit of some leadership wisdom, we know how hard those are come coming by, and yep. so it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. Nope. I guess you could be, I don't know, throwing a Frisbee with Jimmy Page. <clears throat> maybe you're at the Dollar Tree spending 50 cent and getting a nickel back. You got change? Maybe you're riding horseback in a Kentucky field. Doesn't matter to us. We just want to be the 30 minutes, maybe 45 you've been looking forward to all week. That's the worst horse I've ever heard. <laughs> you're not kidding. Let's rock. Our guest today is Aaron Dawson, who is the president of the Lone Star chapter of the CMAA, which is the Club Management Association of America. And that's really an association of, I would say, private membership clubs and golf resorts. And, you know, I met Aaron at a uh, keynote that I recently did for that chapter in Fort Worth. And, um... You know, he, was, he was running that engagement, and I was just thrilled to, to have him on the show. So first and foremost, Aaron, welcome to Thoughts at Rock.
1: Thanks, Thank you. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to visiting with both of you.
3: Awesome. Aaron, Aaron let me just say, like... <laughs> here we go. You had
0: Jim as your speaker, <laughs> who has never touched a golf club, but maybe twice in his entire life, as opposed to myself, <laughs> who spent a year and a half... In the PGA <laughs> Class A program, trying to get my card, I just think it was a waste, and you should probably have me come, come and speak because I can truly appreciate what your members provide. Brand
3: why would why would he want hamburger when he's already had steak? <laughs> oh, is gosh. how I you
1: hear that Aaron.
3: I'm not taking that. Aaron's in the restaurant industry; right. he gets that too. <laughs>
1: That's great. I noticed you said you attempted to get your card. Uh,
0: oh, Ooh, look at that. Bam. You know what? I got tired of playing <laughs> privileges being wrapped into my compensation. Uh, so I went out on my own and instead mm-hmm. just became a poor golfer like most of us. <laughs>
1: I've never heard that story before. Yeah. Not,
3: <laughs> <Yes>. Not once. <laughs> Only every other day. $12 an hour? I don't think so. So listen, we will have uh, Aaron's full bio posted in the show notes, as you know. But uh, just a couple of cool highlights. You know, he's had like two decades or so of hospitality and restaurant and obviously the private club management experience. He's had leadership roles with Brio Bravo Restaurant Group, with Morton Steakhouse, Cameron Mitchell Restaurants, which is awesome. He was previously the general manager of the Chanel Country Club in Little Rock, Arkansas, and then also the GM in Bentwater Yacht and Country Club in Montgomery, Texas. But since 2014, he's been the general manager of the Marymount Country Club there in Texas. So, you know, yeah, Brant, it's golfer. I don't know if you've been to any of those properties, but you definitely have probably eaten at a Brio. I have. And a Morton's? Yes, both. So, but you probably couldn't get into Cameron Mitchell. I, yeah, well, that okay. one's a little tough. We didn't know Aaron back then. We
0: didn't. We we're going to have to cash in some <laughs> chips, I think, when this is done.
3: <laughs> Let's see how Aaron does That's first. That's right. Let's see how he does first. <laughs> Aaron, are you still there? <laughs> he's already getting... He's run.
0: still here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, like, I like him already, so it's <laughs> yes, great. I'm glad that. that
1: y'all are both familiar with Cameron. I mean, that, that was a wonderful time in my career and I think the world of Cameron, He's uh, he taught me a lot at a very young age.
3: Yeah. I mean, all of his properties are fantastic. i forgot get the what's the biggest one that was one in uh in new orleans right what's this really big one that everyone talks about
1: um well he had several and he sold a bunch to ruth chris um i worked at a place in columbus called cap city diner that was a upscale casual diner at the time that served crazy good meatloaf and really big chocolate cake and Mm. fried egg sandwiches and awesome food yeah an awesome hospitality.
3: The one that you're thinking of for sure. That wasn't the one I was thinking of, but Mitchell's Fish Market, which I wound up doing some consulting for, because they wound up obviously during you know Katrina and Biloxi, they moved. Bruce Chris did here to Central Florida, and they had acquired that that Mitchell's Fish Market. But I could not think. Do you know who it is, Brant? No, I was of-
0: just gonna say I loved him in Growing Pains, um, <laughs> and then again in the in the Left Behind series. Um, Oh wait! I'm pretty sure you're thinking of somebody else. That's Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron, yes, yeah,
3: yes, Kirk Cameron. Two totally different, yeah, different people. (laughs) One of them is doing Christian movies right now. The other one makes some awesome (laughs) food. That's how that works out. so listen aaron you you know our style i mean versus that traditional interview format where we spend an hour hour and a half talking about your background and we could go there you know we could do that at some point but not today today we are literally just going to go right for the heart of the great pieces of advice that our audience really craves so we're gonna leave the floor open to you my friend what is your thought that rocks
2: thoughts that rock
1: number number one well, it's, it's a really kind of a funny story. So um, years ago, I was in management training when I was working for the Brio Bravo Group. And as most of you are familiar with, when you go through management training, you also have to work in the back of the house. And mm-hmm. I was working in the back of the house on the line, and uh, there was a young lady named Allison who was the executive chef at this restaurant working right next to me. And there was a gentleman named Matt that was the corporate chef. To Expediter and uh what happens with a corporate chef, as I'm sure you're familiar with, is they're just really good at yelling, <laughs> not just okay at yelling, which is how you get promoted to be the corporate chef. Yes.
2: So
1: we're working a busy night and he's yelling at me all night long and I look over to Allison and I said, Allison, how do I get him to shut up? And she looks at me and she goes, Oh, just say, Listen, the next time he asks for something, just say, Chef, do you want it right or do you want it right now? Mm. And I thought to myself, I was like, wow, this is genius. So sure enough, Harding's yelling at me, and I, uh, I go, chef, do you want it right, or do you want it right now? And he goes, Dawson, I want it right, right, f***ing now. <laughs> I look to my left. Allison is literally on the floor laughing, and I'm like, you set me up. And she goes, absolutely. Um, at that point in time, I didn't realize that do you want it right or do you want it right now, was going to have such an impact. Um, but as life went on and as my career went on, um, I often found times where, you know, there were great ideas, great ambitions, um, and so forth, but it was always important to make sure that we had our fundamentals put in place and that we had a system put out to make sure that whatever that idea or culture or whatever else shift was going to happen, that, you know, we did it the right way Mm -hmm. and not just the right now way. And, um, I remember reading uh, some books from John Wooden, and he used to tell his players all the time, um, be quick, but don't hurry. And his whole idea was to work with a sense of urgency, but Mm -hmm. to make sure that you were thorough in what you did. And there's probably a thousand different little quotes that we could come up with that basically say the same thing. Um, But that was sort of one that stuck with me, and certainly having that funny story to be able to share with everyone. Oh, no doubt. always made a big difference. Um, and as you know, from being in the the restaurant, especially in the back of the house, um, being a female and being an executive chef is not always the easiest thing to do. And, um, there were a lot that never thought Allison was going to make it about two weeks after that. Um, there were a couple guys that worked for her and they got in a fight and I have never seen someone move so quickly in my life. And she grabbed them both and she said, you, you get out of here. Um, the uh, the eyeballs of everybody in that kitchen said, oh, and she never had a, a bad day since then. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it.
3: So do you wind up, um, I know you were starting to allude to this, you know, this right versus right now or right is even better than right now. Do you wind up using this on a regular basis? Do you teach this to your team or do you find out that that sort of sticks in the back of your mind and it makes itself present or did it just really affect you and, and you know, sort of put you off into this area, especially in your leadership
1: role? All of the above, um, Jim. So, I mean, it's definitely something that we preach at the club and that I've preached at other properties, just saying, you know, it's, are we doing this because it's urgent or are we doing it because it's right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a way to hit the pause button and give ourselves a check. And oftentimes, especially in this day and age, you you know, especially in the last year, um, you know, um, we, like everyone else, have had to shift gears and pivot, which are nice words for saying stop on a dime and turn directions and run as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you need that opportunity to stop and say, okay, is this the right thing for us to do? Have we thought this through? Um, What's the balance between safety um, with, with COVID and also being having amenities and things that you can offer your members or guests to make sure they're still getting value for their dues. Yeah. And um, I think having that philosophy and then also making sure that you have people on your team that are also willing to to check you and say, you know, Hey Dawson, are, are we doing this right now? Or, or do we need to wait and make sure we're doing it right? And that means the world to me when someone stops and says that. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's the, the, at least from my perspective, one of the bigger challenges with, trying to live this out is what is right. (laughs) What's the, what's the definition of, of right. You know, one of the things that happened here during COVID um, was, you know, they, they shut down bars uh, pretty quickly, but they didn't shut down restaurants. And so you literally could have a scenario of a bar owner we have a, a friend that, that owns a, a popular bar in Ebor City. Um, and he is, you know losing everything he's worked for with his business being closed, having to look directly across the street to people drinking in the bar at the restaurant. Um, and there's no good explanation. <laughs> And he serves food, by the way, yeah, too. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just right. it's more percentage, so it was, right? It was, well, at the time he didn't serve food. That's how they ended up mm. getting around it. They mm-hmm. had to build a food cart in their bar to be able to be. Qualified. Oh my gosh! But but again, this right versus right now. So they they aired on the right now side in this knee jerk reaction of what was happening, but they didn't do it right when the when the government closed these these bars uh, as opposed to not the restaurants and so you had this mass confusion as to what was happening and you had some people who were thriving still in in the pandemic and others who were losing their entire life savings and so how do you approach that from the you know is is right subjective or do you try to find a better way to to agree on right versus
1: right now well, I think one of the things that's important there is to have a group of universally understood values to go along with that. and so um, having values as a company as a as an organization, as a country uh, well, I'll try not to go down the political rabbit hole there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know you have to have something to be able to go back to yourself and ask yourself these questions so you know another uh, one of our values at the at the club is that we have an environment, it, excuse me, an affirmative environment, which is our way of saying we strive to make the answer yes, but there's a check with that, and so we want to make the answer yes, then we ask ourselves, is it legal, is it ethical, is it safe, and is it courteous, and if you can check those things, then you make the answer yes, and that all goes back to, okay, was that the right now decision or was it the, the right decision, and so – you know, we want to have this affirmative environment. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, a 12-year-old that comes to the pool and says, hey, can I have a margarita? And she's passed out on the uh, on the Chase Lounge, and <laughs> the server comes up to me and says, Mr. Dawson, I made the answer yes. Um, she's passed out, but aren't you proud of me? Um, you've got to have those values, I think, in which to be able to go back and, and do that check. And I think any successful organization, business, restaurant, club, anything – has values, has a bill of rights, and they're they're out in front of you, and you're using those to go along with these things because we all need these guidelines. We need to know sort of where the sandbox is and how to play in it.
0: Yeah. So my my follow up question: We're going to take the exact opposite. Just having lived, so I spent years as you know uh, director of outside golf operations for a private club, um, and. And I'm sure, as as Aaron can attest, um, the private club uh, atmosphere, let's say that, <laughs> is uh, nichey, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't necessarily have um, a agreement as to what reality looks like for maybe the rest of the world because it's a unique environment right i'm like if you're in these private clubs if you're members of these private clubs typically you're incredibly successful and your view of reality might be different than mm-hmm. the guy who
3: is cooking you burgers don't uh, piss off cmaa because uh, i gotta not, do some more speaking just, there i got I'm other chapters this
0: <laughs> So if we take the opposite, instead of talking about let's write, let's talk about right now because I have never been a part of a private (laughs) club that is not right now. So how do you battle right now when every member expects things done immediately? Mm -hmm. That's the question.
1: Um, That's a great question. And I think a lot of that goes down to how you say what you say and um, what – I have seen be successful is, you know, really thinking on your feet and having, you know, we practice a lot of these things as far as, you know, scenarios that we know are going to come up. And something as simple as, you know, one of our, one of our things is we don't ever want our members to carry a bag and carry their own bag. We always want to do that for them. And some people are like, no, I, I, you know, I I don't want to do that. And so we train our team. Well, real simply... Mr. Johnson, listen, I'm a professional. Let me carry your back. And they oftentimes go, "Oh, okay, I get it. And <laughs> I think finding those ways um, helps. Um, I remember going to a, a Disney training a few years ago, um, and they had sort of a, um, a little system they went through to kind of give everybody a, a check. And they, they have this whole thing, and it's um, safety, courtesy, efficiency, and show. And that's the order in which you always want to operate. And so you always want to be safe first, then you want to be courteous, then you want to be efficient, and then the show, you know, is, is the last part. And it, it, when you ask somebody about Disney World, the first thing that you think about is it's the most magical place on Earth, they mm-hmm. got, you know, all these great rides, everything else. The last thing you think about is safety. However, no one would ever go there if it wasn't safe. Yeah, Yep. yeah. Even though it's one of the most... Uh, targeted place by terrorist organizations in the United States. Most people don't know that.
3: I didn't know that, and I live they, here. Thanks, Aaron.
1: Well, and uh, another fun fact, the uh, the security guards that work at Disney, they're, they're actually not security guards. They found out that they're the second most uh, ad- a person that's asked questions in the park, so they're hospitality-trained professionals. The security people look just like you and I at the park. Mm-hmm.
3: Again probably more thanks. like you, Jim than me. <laughs> probably more like Brant. I'm sure they don't have the they don't have the spiky hair like I do. So basically what I hear Aaron saying is Brant, you're not gonna get the membership right now. And that's listen, the right thing listen, to do. I just that's know, what I heard. I, I
0: know that it's a constant you know, the whole right now thing is a constant battle, right? So when I was here here's a funny story. When I was this was gosh, I was maybe a couple of years out of college. I didn't even golf until I got out of college and then I became obsessed and then I built a range in my garage and then I hit 300 <laughs> balls a night and then 8 months later I quit my job and, and <laughs> tried to turn pro. And um so it was a, a I'm working at this private club in Central Florida uh and uh there's a member there who I'm gonna call him. Let's call him Mr. Cappuccino, because he's he was from Jersey, and uh, Mr. Cappuccino uh, was very demanding. <laughs> and when he when his golf cart pulled up out front, that was your signal that I don't care who's next, he's next mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> on the tee box. Right? That's 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 how it sort of worked. Mm-hmm. he was Mr. Right now, and I still remember to this day. Uh, Speaking of not carrying bags, Aaron, so his bag on the back of his uh, cart said, Mr. Cappuccino. And then it had two um, martini glasses and embroidered beneath it, it said the mixer. Hmm. And so one of the days I'm standing out there and one of my cart guys is, is loading up the bag and he's like, hey, Mr. Cappuccino. I see your bag got the mixer. I mean, were you, what did you do back in, in Jersey? Were you in the, in the, uh, uh, alcohol business or something like that? And he goes, I owned a cement truck business. <laughs> mixer. And <laughs> my brain, my guy looked at me and I went, don't ask don't another even ask. question. You just, <laughs> just let it escort <laughs> him to the tea box. But that was a constant challenge when you've got members who expect everything right now. And it's, when you're catered to in that crowd for for years and years and years, it's a huge challenge. So I would imagine, Aaron, that the right versus right now thing has got to be a daily struggle with what with what you it not just you, any of the people in your industry deal with,
1: yeah, I don't think there's any question about it, and I think that's why this has had so much stickiness for us. i mean we we definitely see time as. Um, our members most precious commodity yeah. and you know part of the reason you you join a private club is you you want privacy and you want expeditious um, service and you and you understand that time is really precious and so we do a lot of things behind the scenes um, to sort of make that happen and try to be really intuitive with things um, we don't we don't care if our members ever sign tickets for their services or, or anything else um, we We figure out what people like, and you know the the story you tell about Mr. cappuccino is a great example, in that our our members oftentimes leave us lots of clues or what we call dots dots of information to help be able to connect with them mm-hmm. and whether it's that little thing on its uh, on a golf bag or um we're a family club you know and one of my favorite tricks, if you will, is kids come in and we feel strongly that kids are our most important members, followed by moms and grandmas and dads and grandpas or DAL uh, for dead ass last. Um, and, you know, kids are so easy to connect with because they give you these great clues. They, they wear a Batman shirt. They don't realize they're wearing a Batman shirt, but you get up to them and you say, oh, my God, I love Batman. And you're like, oh, man, I love Batman, too. How did you know I love Batman? They have no idea it's on their shirt, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but you find these ways to connect and... That's where life slows down for that little moment. And, you know, we're dealing with a lot of uh, high net worth individuals that part of the reason they've had success is because they've they've figured out how to make the most out of their time. And it's our role at the club in order to be able to make the most of their time here and let life slow down a little bit while they're here. And they don't realize that, you know, they may have just spent three and a half hours on a golf course, would have taken five anywhere else. Yep. But for that three and a half hours, it it felt like life slowed down mm-hmm. yeah. and it allows them to kind of keep pace with the rest of the world that way. And so, you know, that's a little bit of the, I, I guess the behind the scenes, the magic that that we try to create. Yeah.
3: You know, and probably that slowing down, maybe that's part of the secret sauce in your, in your thought, you know, right is maybe going to take a little bit longer, but it obviously is, is the correct thing to do. We had a previous guest, um, Meredith McClung, who's the CEO of Kaiser musical instruments. And I remember her, thought that she had was, you know, the old measure twice, cut once. And it was yeah. sort of the same thing. It was, you know, you, you, if you want to jump in and do these things super quick and, and you know, whatever, the point is you're you're going to waste a lot if you wind up getting that thing wrong. So not that you have to pick one or the other. You just have to be a little bit more cognizant, which is what I think you're saying, Aaron, as well. I mean, I love, I love being efficient, but being effective is so much better. And so you have to put a little bit more... I think thought into it. And you think about these people they are spending all this money right at a, at a private club, you know, you get something wrong at the expense of just trying to be quick about stuff. Yep. That's disastrous for that. I mean, somebody sure. that takes your membership somewhere else, you're, you're going to be in a lot of, a lot of trouble. What were you going to say, Brian? that you're right. And I'm right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: Then Aaron, Aaron he's staring at me
0: with the look. That's like. why this relationship works. <laughs> I want to put an explanation point on this. I'm right now, and Jim is more right. So he has 30 questions wow. to ask me while I'm just like,
3: do it. Just do it. <laughs> it you see what I get, Aaron? Every single day, this, this is what I get. What happens.
0: Well, well least, that balance probably
1: serves the two of you well.
0: It does. Yeah, it, does. It, it does, and it actually leads perfectly to uh, our thought this yeah. that we're going to share, which comes from... AD Alley which <laughs> Who is that? I, I don't know. It just sounds very fancy to me. <laughs> very fancy. A D Allawat. A D Alley <laughs> Um and our, our thought that rocks is this. Fun Step Rock Number Two. Good work is done with dignity, and there's no dignity in rushing. Hmm. Now I like that because it gives a little different spin on getting things done fast it brings in dignity right and Mm -hmm. i and i and to aaron's credit sort of was he was talking through how do you deal with somebody who wants something right now right now um when you factor in dignity it really sort of creates space it holds space for slowing down Mm -hmm. right because when i think of dignity it's just different you know it's it's more personal i think when Mm -hmm. i think of the when i think of the word dignity it is way more personal it is way more intimate and um stripping somebody's dignity is way different to me than rushing through something uh, because i don't have the time to wait 10 minutes for this to happen if i thought for a second that it was going to take away their dignity it changes my mindset as to what's really important. Does that, mm-hmm. that make sense?
3: It Well, it does. Not only that, it's you don't hear that word very often no. in like corporate America, no. right? It's not the buzzword. It, it, I, I guess in my mind, when I as soon as I saw that quote, I'm thinking-
0: The Monopoly Man?
3: It, that okay. first, because of A.D. Aliwat. Yeah. But then second, <laughs> I'm like, this quote has the word dignity twice. And it's really kind of an HR soft skill, right? Yeah. It's- I, again, you just don't hear it very often, and it probably plays into your world. And I would love to get Aaron's thought, but you know, you start talking about values and yep. inherent worth, and when you can, you know, like you say, honor those values. When yep. you can actually say, "I see you, I hear you, I recognize the value that you have." Yep. Whoa, that's awesome. But even worse, you take that away from them. You take, like you said, the dignity away. You're going to be in a lot of a, a lot of trouble. So, you know, maybe Aaron, this is this is the question for you. You know, if there's no sense in really rushing you know, to get things done or jumping to conclusions or trying to, I don't know, immediately solve some problem if the better answer is, like going back to yours, focus on what's right. How does this work or even look like in your world when you bring up this word dignity?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind with me is respect. And um, I think respect and dignity go hand in hand. And I don't think anybody in a transaction – wants to leave it feeling like they they're they didn't have dignity and they, they weren't respected and um i think a lot of that um jim and brant come with with name mm-hmm. and knowing names and knowing you know those dots of information um one of the things that i'm proud of that we do in our food and beverage operation is we we don't have table numbers uh we refer to every table by the person that's sitting at that table and um our point of sale system. Um, if you don't know someone's name, it shows up cash. And I always tell our team, we don't have any members. Johnny Cash isn't a member here. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I think that all being said, it's really important to get, you know, especially in a private club. And I and I think, you know, I think this is one of the things that's missing in in hospitality and in broad strokes. But the, the places that do it best, you know, and it, the place that comes to mind immediately is Chick Fil A, and that. They understand dignity. Yeah. They understand respect. And, you know, you all know as well as anybody, I mean, their average sales per unit are more than double their closest competitor, and they're closed 52 days a year. Yeah. Because yeah. they do things with dignity and respect. Um, and we try to yeah. do that as well. We just try to do it at maybe even a little higher level because our prices are slightly more than Chick-fil-A. Yeah, just yeah. a little. Yes. Just it, a little.
0: It's interesting. Um, So I, I, you know, I think of places like Ritz Carlton, you know, if you've ever been fortunate enough to stay at a Ritz Carlton, you, uh, uh, let me tell you what I've never witnessed somebody in the lobby of a Ritz Carlton yelling at somebody behind the desk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've never witnessed it because they treat everybody with dignity and it's, it's this thing that's just this expected stuff that happens now. I can't say that. You know, for Hampton Inn, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it is a different scenario uh, in those in those cases, but it shouldn't be.
3: Well, it's required. And there. it's yeah. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, the the interesting thing, I think, is, you know, I have a um, one of my old buddy, uh, co-pastors and buddy when I when I was pastoring Nomad Community Church and. Um, Dan Walker, Dan used to run an organization called Love Inc., which was a, it is still a um, sort of a organization that serves as a nucleus for a bunch of different services that someone might find themselves needing, whether that's. My lights are being turned off. I don't have anything to eat. I need a place to stay. I don't know how to manage my finances. I don't, mm. you know, like there's so many different things. And, and Love Inc. sort of serves as a nucleus that grabs all these resources and mm. pulls them together for somebody I love to help that. them.
3: It's like a philanthropic Craigslist. Well, here's the, big,
0: here's the big thing he would always say is that, you know, when you are working for a charity, um, this whole sort of charity can be toxic. Uh, thing for, there's a, the book Toxic Charity, which is a phenomenal book. Um, but it, when you bring in dignity, is when you start to see people change behavior and get themselves out of really bad scenarios. If you leave dignity and you just provide the services, you don't see anywhere near the success. Mm-hmm. Giving that person on the corner who is who is trying to get five bucks for whatever it might be pulls on our heartstrings to, to give them that money so they can use it for whatever they need. But he would always tell me it's the worst thing you can do. Get reaching out and giving somebody money is actually stripping them of their dignity you need to let them participate in this that's what makes it successful and participating in it allows them to have the dignity that's needed to experience the change that's needed to pull them out of these scenarios hmm. so I've always you know it's changed my mind it makes me feel like a jerk sometimes mm-hmm. when I want to do that and, and if I feel led to do it then I do it but for the most part I, I always hear his head in, his voice in the back of my head going, don't strip away his dignity or her dignity. You know, you you've got to be able to serve people with dignity and allow them to access their dignity. If you want to experience that. I love that. I love it. Mic drop. That's it. That's it.
3: Yeah. And, (laughs) and credits to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll say this too. I, you know, when you, when I first heard the word dignity, I think about uh, some of these body language experts because they talk quite a bit about the ones that are so masterful at providing people dignity in the moment and yeah. so every body language expert i've ever seen they use people like bill clinton sure. like he was the master of he could be shaking your hand looking you in the eye stop shaking your hand he's already going over here to shake somebody else's hand but he still oh. is making eye contact with that first person like i'm not going to leave here i'm fully present but then I'm moving over to the next one. And so the the really good politicians or people in the world who again I'm using words like I can see you. I'm you know, I'm I'm with you. I'm totally present. Yeah. Listen, I used to do this and I'm sure you've done this before Aaron too. Working in high volume restaurants. So when I was at Hard Rock, we we're working in a 40 million dollar behemoth like in Orlando. When you're running a shift like that and you get 500 employees and it is lines out the door and you 45 minute to an hour ticket times, which is not good. It is just absolute bonkers. $35,000 hours. Like that is fun to be in that environment, but things can get squirrely real quick. And I just remember there are times where I'm talking to, let's say a guest or even a team member. If I'm engaged in conversation, somebody comes running up to me, there's a, problem the place is on fire whatever it is even if it was my boss everybody's getting the hand like nobody is going to steer me away from the moment it might be just you know an extra five seconds but you get credit for that i think the guests really appreciate when you can keep your calm and you're there in that bubble for a moment i think that's part of you know i guess if i have to put it in a business world that's that's a way of giving people dignity right do you agree aaron
1: Yeah, totally. And um, you made me think of the duck, which I'm sure you've heard of. You know, your your legs are moving 100 miles an hour under the water, but no one sees that. Exactly. Um,
3: Never let them see you. Yeah, I totally
1: agree. And um, I think one of the things that comes to mind through this is uh, I I love what Danny how Danny Meyer described the difference between service and hospitality. Yeah. Um, And just changing the word "what happens to you" to "what happens for you." And I think that's true of so many things in life, not just, you know, I've always felt like we need more hospitality in all of our businesses. No doubt. Um, and, you know, what a great way to create dignity and respect by by making it, making something not transactional, but making it something that it, it elicits emotion. Um, you know, if I think back to the best experiences I've ever had, whether it's at a restaurant or a hotel or any place, it's because there was an emotion felt and I felt like, I was treated with dignity. I thought, I felt like I was respected. There was something that happened for me. And I think that, I I mean, I've always loved Danny Meyer's little take on that and he used that a bunch. And, And I think that, that the byproduct of that is dignity without a doubt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things, you know, in, in my work, Aaron, which is basically helping companies, um, Activate their core values and connect them to what matters most to their people. And in those instances, uh, when you give somebody an opportunity to honor the things that matter most to them in an experience, it's profound. Not only do they remember it, they seek it out. And that is, that is what you want in those environments. When people feel like they're honoring the things that matter most to them, it connects them to their purpose without them even knowing it. And so part of our mission uh, that, that goes sort of unthought of through most of our days is we need to honor these things that matter most. It's what makes us feel good. It's what makes us happy. It's what gives us this sense of content and all of these incredible things that happen with it. And we're seeking it out whether we know it or not. Not. And so when you provide the opportunity for that to happen, um, and even even better, if you can serve someone else and uh, honor what matters most to you while serving someone else that might allow them to honor what matters most to them – well, then, that's these uh, what, what Maslow would call peak experiences, right? It's these things that that have this profound effect on you, and and you remember, um, even as crazy as it sounds, with the story that you told of the of uh, uh, the corporate chef yelling in the background, that has this profound effect because it touched on some of the things that matter most to you and it affected those values in such a way that not only did you remember it, you've actually been able to use that uh, as a way to teach others. And that to me is one of the most powerful uh, experiences that we can have. Mm-hmm. What's the best way Aaron for people to stay in touch? They want to, to know more. They want to get some additional nuggets uh, of wisdom from you. What's the best way they can reach out?
1: Probably via LinkedIn. That's I'll, I'll write articles from there from time to time. And um, certainly those that live in Texas that are in the club industry um, and getting involved in the CMAA is another, another great option. And, um, you know, I'm easily accessible via the email or, or sending a message through LinkedIn. Um, it's Aaron R. Dawson on LinkedIn, and that's probably the best way to stay in touch with me.
0: And, and just a quick follow-up: What's the the best way to come play golf at your place mm-hmm. and get a membership? <laughs> um, well, we don't a need membership. a membership because we—I mean, we're not. There. <laughs> but but what's the best way to just sort of sneak in? Maybe on the Monday when they're <laughs> wow. mowing the greens. <laughs>
1: Well, Brant, so being that you have all this great experience as a, uh, as a player services professional, we are always looking for bright individuals, so uh, we are oh hiring.
3: <laughs> Send him to the recruiting site. Wow. Let's see. I'll, uh, Top I'll 10 motivational
0: to speaker in the country, best selling author, and I get, well, we have an opening.
3: <laughs> Listen, just not right now. I love That's it. That's it. I love it. And it's the right
0: thing I to do. I love it.
1: Brant, did you ever take the PAT?
3: I did. I got halfway
0: through the PAT. We got rained out, and I never took it again, which was probably a good thing because I think I was already like two over after eight, and it was like, this
1: is not going to be a good day.
0: It was at the Marriott World Center.
1: I know so many accomplished golfers, and that whole thing is such a mind blank because there's a number. Yeah, and you're just thinking about that number the That's
0: whole time. All you care about, and it literally—I would argue—the stress factor of a PAT is equal to a to a major. Uh, it's just there's so much on the line because if you don't pass the PAT, you can't even get into the program. Right. Just for the
3: audience, explain what is the PAT.
0: It's the it's your playability test. So the PGA, there's two sort of directions you can go as a golf professional you can go and get your touring card and, mm-hmm. and join one of the tours whether it's the PGA tour one of the one of their sort of little brother tours uh, that might be out there it used to be everything from the Hooters tour the nationwide tour the Nike tour that's been it's gone through many many sponsors but um, there's different smaller tours that you can go out and play on and win and, and, and money um, but then for those that don't want to be a competing player, you can become a class A professional, which is basically somebody who runs a a private golf club, right? So, and it's a very different world because like for most of the, at least when I was doing this 20 plus years ago um, it's, it's like you run your own business. I mean, you Mm -hmm. buy the, you buy the inventory of the clothes in the, in the pro shop. It's like, it's, that's not on the club that's on the, 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 Mm the, pro. And so it became like this whole way to teach you how to truly run a business. So you go through their class a program, you learn how to be a successful business person. Um, in addition to building up things like your your lessons that you're going to teach on the side to running your outside golf operations to running the inside golf operations. So it was um, – the playability test is your – you don't pass go unless you – Gotcha. And, and typically, it's about – you. it's two rounds – and it's typically about 150. So you have to shoot 150 or less to pass. But that number goes up or down based on on the field as mm-hmm. to how well somebody's playing. So if everybody goes out and shoots 68, you're f***ed. <laughs> <yes. laughs> the nicest way I can say that. <laughs> but if they go out and shoot 78, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to pass this today. So it is a... Uh, It is one of the most stressful things you've ever seen in your life because the future of everybody is dependent upon whether Mm. or not they pass the threshold. If they don't pass the threshold, guess what? You can't be part of the program. You can't even go in and take those classes that you need to take to get your card.
3: And that's why you're here right now. And that's why I am a
0: mediocre (laughs) podcast host.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Did he do a good job? Did he explain it pretty well?
1: He did a great job of explaining that's that's all 100% accurate and I know so many pros and yeah. and that's usually one of the questions I'll get to and asking them is just, you know out of curiosity you know what was your number on your PAT and when did, when how many times did you have to take the pass it? That's, uh, that's right. That's <laughs> right.
3: Well, that's a great conversation starter for them I guess.
1: It is. It's listen. It is. And it it, it definitely brings back memories cuz I think every person that uh, that goes through that process remembers it no different than a Navy seal going through buds or whatever else. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> that's, that's their initiation. If you will. Yes. Yeah. Just, he just compared me to, to a, a Navy, Navy seal. seal. I just want
2: you to know that. <laughs> no, I did not compare you to a Navy seal.
3: <laughs> Do not take that away. Fine. It's called stolen. Fine. Valor. Fine. You're definitely not in your own mind. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Listen, man, we cannot thank you enough. I mean, I had a lot of fun spending time with you guys in Fort Worth and getting to know you and specifically your chapter. And obviously with your background, I mean, you just got such a great, great, you know, leadership experience. And and you're able to just parlay that over to all of your current team members. And we're so thankful you carved out a little bit of time and and, uh, shared a couple words of wisdom, man. So thank you so much for it.
1: Thank you, um, Brant and Jim. I appreciate it. And Jim, I wanted to share with you, uh, we just had a, a state meeting last weekend, and uh, many of the attendees attended um, in Fort Worth as well, and folks were still talking about you. And, and oh, most of it was that's positive.
3: Awesome. That's awesome. Great. Well, you can keep the negative ones to yourself, <laughs> no, but I it appreciate No, you're awesome. Well,
0: Aaron, you let them know when they don't want the warm-up act and they want the main show, they know where to reach me
3: yes shots fired (laughs) all day there's nothing it'll happen as soon as we get off the phone too all right brother we love you man thank you so much we'll talk to you soon thanks guys rock on hey rock stars thanks so much for tuning in if you like what you've heard please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode yeah and if you're interested in having brant or me or both of us speak at your event whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughts.rock.com.
2: Until next time, rock rock on. on. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference.